Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be taking a look back on our 2018 reading, I guess figuring out where we went right, where we went wrong, and just talking a little bit about what we want our reading lives to be like next year. We will just like give you some updates on what we read, sort of just a general overview of our reading. Gail, I know you mentioned that you really haven't done a deep dive, like you sort of do a little bit of a summary for the year, which you haven't done yet. Well, I've done the research for it, though, so I'm, I'm get ready to talk about it. Is there anything? Okay, so I wanted to mention, it's so funny, because we were just talking probably a couple of episodes ago about, it's come up a few times, World War II novels, and how we can be very picky about them because, you know, it's, I don't know, the range, just like the range of, I guess, the nature of humanity is so vast. It's such a particularly appealing topic, I think, for lots of writers to jump into, whether they're successful or not. And it's easy to get a little fatigued because there are constantly so many of them. But anyway, I shared with you that I really loved the athlete Math by Ridian Brooke, which I think came out in, I want to say like 2014 or 2015. Like, I really love this book because it gave such a different perspective of World War, World War II, and it was really well done. So it's about this, this wife who's coming up, um, over to join her husband in Germany, and this is shortly after the war. And I think they, they end up like taking over some people's houses, like there's not enough housing. So she comes to meet them and they're going to be living in this house. And, but the German family who, you know, was this wealthy family who had been living there before is also living there. So it's sort of about their relationship with this other family. Um, She hasn't seen her husband since he, you know, he's been over at war. So it's sort of about how they reacquaint themselves and how, you know, like what it means to be living in such close quarters with the enemy. And it talks a lot about, you know, like just how devastated Germany was and what that looked like. And they're making a movie out of it. And guess who's in it, which I thought was extremely funny. Kira Knightley. Oh, that is funny. Because we talk about her. We talked about her in the Ian McEwan Mm -hmm. movies. (laughs) Pride and Prejudice. Which I think she was, she was in both of those. Yeah. She loves those period pieces. And so I'm looking at one of the guys who's the lead because I just watched the trailer today, which I've linked in the show notes. But I'm like, oh, he's kind of cute. And it's Alexander Skarsgård is in there as well. Oh, he is good. And cute. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's coming out in April. So, like I said, it's The Aftermath by Riddy and Brooke. It's going to be a movie, so that means you have to run out and see it now because Kira Knightley and Alexander Skarsgård are going to be in it. And before they are burned into your memory as the leads of those, you know, of the film, you might want to get your own perspective on it. Right. Oh, that may be too late because now, so that- of course, if I read it, I'll be picturing them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think, I think I might have had some other 
something else interesting to share with you, but I can't think of it right now. So let's just jump to what you've been reading. Okay. So what have I been reading? Um, I finished Ray and Joan, um, which I don't think we've talked about on the show that since I finished it. That was the, the book about um, Ray Kroc's third wife. He's the guy who turned McDonald's into I think what we it did. is. We talked a little bit about this okay. on your episode with Sarah. Okay. These, because I'm just going to mention to everyone that we had a little bit of a holiday snafu with the podcast. So they're going up a little out of order. So right. Gail, you can talk about it now. But All right. I'll talk about it now. Well, and I haven't finished it then. So the episode after. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's the story of, um, Joan Croc, who's the third wife of, uh, Ray Croc, the guy who turned McDonald's into the corporation behemoth that it is now. And so when he died, he left her gazillions of dollars and she turned into a philanthropist, um, a very sort of idiosyncratic and unconventional philanthropist and gave away those many, many, many millions of dollars, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's kind of all about just starts with a little bit of McDonald's history, but it's really about their relationship and then about her life after he dies. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I'm glad I read it. Um, I'm going to caution anyone who's interested in reading it. Don't do it on audio because it's narrated by the author. Her name's Lisa Napoli and she has this super perky voice and she enunciates a lot, almost like she's reading a kid's book. And there's just parts of this book that are, you know, kind of heavier or like sad or whatever. And in her voice, they, it wasn't the right tone of voice for a lot of the book. So I actually don't recommend the audio, um, but I do recommend the book itself. I wonder why she wanted to read it herself. Something like that. Maybe she felt really protective of it and felt like, you know, she can do it justice. It just, oh, her voice, not good. I mean, it's very, (laughs) it's, it's like a, Something against her voice. It just was a bad fit for this particular book. She's just like too perky. Huh. Um, yeah. I her name sounds familiar. I feel like I've probably read something. You probably her. have. It sounded familiar to me too. Although I haven't figured out why it wasn't. I don't think there's anything there. Yeah, no. Because then when I looked up, when I as I look it up, there is nothing there. So maybe it's someone who has a similar name. Yeah. Radio Shangri La. I think I heard, maybe I just heard a lot about that when that came out. Yeah back in 2010. So I haven't been reading a ton because I've just been really busy with holiday stuff. Um, I started the book Asymmetry, which is going along really slowly. It's fine. I don't love it, but it's, I don't know. I just haven't really given it enough time. So that's what I'm doing in print and in audio. I'm listening to The Four, the book about Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Apple. And um, in audio, it's great. I really like it. So I had started pick that up in print and I wasn't really getting anywhere. And then I decided to try it on audio and I love the narrator and I find it really easy to focus on it when I'm in the car. So um, I, I recommend the audio for that. That's the four by Scott Galloway. That's really interesting. Yeah. You said, is this more like you said, this is more about how these four companies shape our shape, reshaping our culture. Well, it's kind of like, why, how are these companies so unbelievably successful? So he takes them in order. Well, Facebook Um, is about to fall off a ledge. Yeah, it's funny. The book is about a year and a half or two years old. And I feel like um, I bet the Facebook chapter is going to feel outdated because it's not going to get into a lot of the 
things that have happened recently that I do think have been really detrimental to Facebook. But um, right, this last year has been a yeah has been bad for them. Yeah, so I'm just started the Facebook chapter. I've done Apple and Amazon so far. I realized I was like, I wonder how he ordered them. How did he decide which order they went in? And then I realized it was alphabetical. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, the deep mystery yeah, solved. Yeah, it's great, Gail. Um, so. I've done the for the two A's and now I'm in Facebook and then I get to Google. So, but I, I feel like even if it's outdated and if they don't get into, you know, Russian tampering and they don't get into, it'll some be fascinating. Google stuff, it's anyway. still interesting. It's really interesting to sort of delve into the roots of the companies and, you know, why, why have these four bucked so many trends and been so successful? Like why is Amazon so successful in retail when the story of American retail is one of decline? Um, and also, do so you have work, any answers for us? Do I have answers? Well, Amazon, sure. I mean, they, you know, Amazon made us. And did all, they set out? I mean, did did was this their? Are you getting a feeling from the book that there was a master plan in the beginning when they set out? And no. they're just like, okay, we're going to sell books, or no, did they catch think, on to something? Well, I think that's actually part of the success is how how especially for Amazon how agile they've been in. Um, you know, pivoting, changing, expanding, you know, Amazon started as a bookstore. And, you know, one of the things I learned from this book is that one of the areas that Amazon is getting into is floating warehouses and that Amazon is taking over a whole bunch of shipping lines between China and the U.S., you know, um, freight shipping. So like you realize, um, you know, they talk about the, I'm sure these numbers have changed a lot too, but they talk about the percentage of Amazon's income that comes from Amazon Web Services, which is online hosting. Um, so, I mean, clearly that wasn't what where they, yeah, that wasn't where they started out. So I think it's more like how have these companies been, especially Amazon, been so nimble in how it has adapted to um, identify these revenue streams from all these other all these other areas, and yet at the same time, how we are all just so addicted to it the convenience of Amazon, how no other retailer or e-tailer can compete with it. Now, a question for you. Yeah. Do you think, does, do you get any sense of, you know, he, it started as a bookstore. Do you get the sense that Jeff Bezos is a reader? Oh my God. Not, not addressed at all. He started as a bookstore and I'm just sort of curious. Well, they talk a lot about, um, they do talk about, uh, he talks about Amazon's retail stores and, you know, how that would seem so strange. Why would Amazon, the king of online shopping, open all these brick-and-mortar stores? And there's some discussion about that. They don't talk about the sort of the love of the book. It's it being from D.C., Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. And right. so I think that we all feel like he is, you know, he he saved the Post from headed down heading down the road to ruin that I think a lot of newspapers are, are headed down. Um, that's really interesting, too, because I feel like we hear so much chatter about Amazon just because we do hear a lot of publishing stuff. I mean, I feel like personally that can't be something that uh, – I don't know. I just don't really feel like consumers hear about that much or should hear about that much. Yeah, they don't care hear about, about it, it that much. That's an, yeah. in, that's an industry thing. Yeah. But I was just uh Although just I do curious. think people feel very sad when their beloved bookstores go away. But I also think that trend is reversing. And the ones that are going away, frankly, deserve to go away because they're horrible. Well, that's always been my thing with bookstores like or, 
you know, hearing this narrative so much, I just really don't think that you, I just think it's a bad business model when you go to consumers and say, hey, if you don't spend money with us, we'll go away. It's like, it's your job as the business to be the business that I need. Right. And to adapt. And I kind of don't want to hear about your problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. My bookstore does very well. So does mine. I mean, three lives. Yeah. And politics and prose is like expanding all over the city. So, um, but I also think, I don't know, we could, we could go into a lot about why that is. Yeah. Um, we're both sort of in Metro areas. True. And my bookstore is, is, is like small and beloved in the West village. Well, I really recommend this book. I, I, uh, I work for a tech company we partner with three out of the four of those players on an extremely regular basis. And mm-hmm. it's really helpful for me to truly understand the, the DNA of them. And right. uh, that's like, that's the subtitle of this book. It says the, the something I'm trying to read this tiny little thumbprint of it. <laughs> it's the DNA of the four companies. I mean, that's what he's really getting into. And so I'm finding this. I think I have that helpful. on audio. You know, the audio is great. The, the narrator is very entertaining. And the author has just all this, like, profanity in there. And he, he makes reference to sex all the time. <laughs> it's really funny. It's a good book. Oh. Why wasn't that in the gift guide, Gail? Because, <laughs> well, I think it was. <laughs> I think I put it under um, books for nonfiction readers. I think I did. I think I put it in there. Hmm. I just Maybe. hadn't read it We've yet. talked about it. We Yeah. We've tiptoed around it quite a bit. Yeah. All right. What are you so I'm not really reading. I am I was trying to read there's a couple of books that I was reading for like book clubs. And I don't know, everything was so super depressing. Like I was trying to read Patrick Melrose by Edward Sanoban. Okay. And it's the one that they made that um Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch is in the Showtime series that they made out of the books. It is so, I don't know. It's like so depressing. Everything is just so dark. I think I'm, I think I'm done. Okay. I read 106 books this year and I think I'm just, I'm calling it. I'm like watching it's football season. I'm watching tons of football and tons of football commentary. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's December for me. Like who's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Good for you. Well, that's a great, great number to hit. And like, if you're needing a little break from it, or just wanting to do other things, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like that with books. And I think that's going to figure into my goal. Like I'm either like, sometimes I'll read 20 books in a month. And sometimes I'll read three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just works for me. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So all right, so should we talk about our year and what yeah, kinds of conclusions we can draw from how we read, what we liked, what we didn't? Okay. So do you want to give us give us a brief overview sure. of your year? So um, I hit my goal. My goal was 52. It's always 52. And in fact, I think it's probably time that I expand my goal because I've now hit Next it a year, couple years. Next year, I think you should do 60. Yeah, that was what I was going to say was 60. So I'm at 54 right now. And, you know, there's still a good nine. A couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, a good 11, 12 days of 
especially non-work days where I might be able to get some more done. So so just for reference, recording on December 20th, because I know a few of these are going to go up out of order. Okay, yeah. So. so December 20th, and so, I, you know, I've got like a four-day weekend, and then only a few days of work, and then I'm going to be traveling some. So I could I could knock out a book or two more. So I'm assuming I'm going to finish the year at like 54. I mean, sorry, like 56. 56. Maybe 56 or 57. So my goal for next year is 60. Um, one thing that really helped me this year was I had a couple of big trips, and I don't think that will happen next year. So it's going to be a little more challenging for me to get to 60. So just one more, um, one more quarter than what you read now. One more. Or a couple of, what do you mean? One more book a quarter. One more book a quarter. Right. So yeah. So or, if I can squeeze it. Or if you count up from 52, like just two more books a quarter. Two more books a quarter. That sounds manageable. Okay. I like the way you put it. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. So I, my goal, so the year before 2017, I think I'd only read two nonfiction books. And I told myself in 2007. It was three. I looked it Oh, up. it was three. Oh, my God. Look at you. Okay, so three. In preparation for the show. I did my homework. You did. I'm impressed. And I told myself I wanted to reach 10. And I did. Um, and I don't think that even counts. Um, that does not count the four. So I might even get to 11. So um, most of those were memoirs. And I think that's a little bit of cheating, a tiny bit of cheating to to have all of my nonfiction be memoirs. But... I I am I'm pleased with ten or eleven. I think that's good for me. Um, I did seventeen audiobooks this year, and um, you know from there I kind of went into. I actually today posted a. Um, I've never done this before. A best books of the year post. Usually I just do my year and review final, but this mm -hmm. year I actually did because everyone else is doing one, and I felt peer pressure. So I did a best books of 2018, and it covers the same stuff you and I've already talked about. But so that I may do one of those. I was trying to do one of those, but the thing is, when I sit and think about it, my best books of the year is between thirty and twenty to thirty books. Oh, but I might do it too. Yeah, I mean the content's there. You just have to. It's just formatting, right. basically. Mm -hmm. um, I only read seven male authors out of all of that. I, I think I need to do more more men, just because I like to be a little more balanced. So seven's pretty low. Well, that was one of my ideas for our show, for one of our shows that I want to do next month, because I know that that is something that we're pretty bad at. We do not read men. I mean, I yeah. don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about why that is, which male authors we like, and why we end up just going back to our beloved female authors. I know, I know. They say they need our help. I mean, too, it just like irritates me that, you know, women will read male authors, but they don't read as many female authors. It's true. It's really irritating. That's and all the stuff that you hear them, like the masterpieces that they talk about are all male. And I think I've talked about this before when I talked about when we were talking about how, uh, what is that book? It's like a, a weird number. Um and we were talking about Jenny Offal's book. Yeah. And uh, one guy who had actually read them both, but he didn't like hers, and he liked the guy's book, and they were they are so similar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I have issues, but I I read about um, twenty percent of my books were men, oh, so maybe good. twenty twenty books by men. That's more than me. That's good. And I bet that overlaps with my nonfiction a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
I think half was fiction, half was probably traditional nonfiction. And then of the nonfiction, I read 20%, and I feel like most of them were memoirs. Well, so what do you want to do differently next year, other than more men? Oh, that's your thing. I don't know that I even, I mean, I feel like 20 books by men is good. That's, you know, almost almost two a month. (laughs) Okay. Well, more men on the show, I guess, or more... Maybe, maybe. Well, we'll have a show. I think that we should talk about these things in more detail that I mentioned. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we. What do I want to do differently? Well, let's let's just do more before we get into that. Let's more just do a little did. bit more in terms of stats. What we did. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much all my stats. Um, I've re- I reread two books. One, of course, is Kitchens of the Great Midwest, and the second is a book that I reread. And this was, for me, the last book that I read, number 54. And I think I can count this because it took me several hours to get through it because I was reading it out loud. But I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with my son. That's a book that I read. Yeah, it's a couple hundred pages. I don't think I've ever read that. Oh, you never read the Narnia series? No. So I read them when I was really little. Um, I mean, old enough that I could read it myself, but I was pretty young. And so we've embarked on the series, my son Nate and I, and he is six, and we read the first one out loud. And um, its I don't really remember it at all. From I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about them. So it did feel pretty new. And um, How does it hold up? I mean, they're really good. They're very, like, they're really kind of intense. There's a lot of, like, sword play and fighting and evil. And in the and in the <laughs> the lion, the lich, and the wardrobe, there's a lion who basically dies. He he dies at the hand of the witch because um, he sacrifices himself for. Is this a spoiler? I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a spoiler, but I think probably most people have read the book. But this, what I'm about to say, though, is not a spoiler. That he sacrifices himself to save this innocent young boy who has come under the evil influence of the. The, the witch so so it's about these four four siblings who go into this you know fantasy land called narnia and one of them it gets taken by the witch and she basically convinces him that she's the queen and he's going to get all these riches and he falls under her evil spell and in the end in order to save the boy from being killed or being turned into stone or whatever the witch is going to do to him the noble lion sacrifices himself and he dies but because of magic, he is resurrected. So does it? Uh oh. Yeah. So it's clearly a very, very thinly veiled reference to Jesus. Um, it's you know, and he, I was gonna say, aren't those like, aren't I? Those books were super Christian, right? And so, like C.S. Lewis was very Christian, right? And when I was Christian. growing up, I didn't get that at all. I'm Jewish. I what did I know, right? And Nate, it was completely lost on Nate. He had no idea that there, I mean, again, he doesn't know a whole lot about Christianity. He doesn't know what Easter is. He doesn't know about resurrection. And, you know, to him, he's like, oh, that's interesting. Now he's alive again. Um, so, but I'm, <laughs> you know, from the perspective of an adult reading it, it did feel that the Christianity emerged much more clearly to me, being of my age and what I know now. So I find that kind of interesting. And I'm curious to see if that's going to continue through the rest of the books. You can certainly read the books and not get the fact that it is supposed to be Jesus and it will not change your, you know, enjoyment of it or it doesn't take away from the story, but it's clearly there. So that I found just kind of interesting. That's one 
that reminds me of when I was walking down the street with my friend and by her own admission, she she says that she's sheltered or whatever. She lives in New York now, but we were walking, we were somewhere on an avenue and we walk past, I feel like it was like an adult pleasure shop or something like that. And she's just like, oh my God, you know, like this is here. The children, you know, children walk past this or whatever. And I'm just like, children are not thinking about that. You know, you're noticing that and you're thinking of it if your child were to see it. But if you're walking past, first of all, there's so much that you walk past that you don't see. Uh-huh. Second of all, you're if you're walking past with a six-year-old, they're probably not going to get it. Nope, they won't get it at all. And there's so many things with books, you know, especially, I mean... You know, I'm. I don't know because I don't read a lot of ch- children's literature now. There are some books that I've seen. Um, like sometimes I randomly get review copies, and everything is just sort of, just um, more. I don't know more topics that are embracing different kinds of diversity, whether it's homosexuality, transgender, children from different backgrounds, transracial adoptions. You know, you do have children's books that are trying to address those kinds of things. And I'm sure it's happening in the middle grade, you know, mm-hmm. literature as well as you get outside of board books. And of course, you know, there will be parents who who would not want their kids to read those types of things. But when I think about, you know, like what we probably read, like what you read or I mean, we didn't even read some of the same stories or whatever, but there were things that would not be politically correct today that are not politically correct today that I didn't even notice as a child. Right. You know, especially I would think, you know, if you're raised as a Jewish child, you know, I was a little black girl. You know, I read the little I read the little house books. Those books are super racist when you read right. them now. Right. You know, but it was not anything. It was just oh, the frontier or you know, I was a city girl. So the lifestyle was very different. Um very different. This just came up in the news recently because they there was an award, I think, that they stripped Laura Ingalls Wilder's name off of. I think it might have been an award for children's books. And it was because, I don't know, I think the first, I mean, they just, they detail all the examples where, you know, it's like Ma doesn't like Indians and, you know, the best Indian is a dead Indian. Like they say these things in these books, like things that I haven't read the Little House books as an adult, but it just talks about how blatantly they come out against, you know, I mean, Manifest Destiny was about removing the Native Americans from their homes. And so they talk about this little Native girl who actually cried when she heard some of the language in this. So it's just it's just an interesting thing. We grew up reading different things and and um, just what we weed out and what we, we react to. Mm-hmm. I feel like kids don't pick up on a lot of the detail that freaks grown-ups out, but it's interesting to th- see how things change. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to try to do the series so I can report back on how pervasive those themes are and, you know, if it changes after the first one. And if it's anything that, I mean, because did, you didn't explain anything to him in terms of Christianity. No, did you? no, no. He doesn't, he, he wouldn't get it. I mean, he, he'll have, he would have no idea what I was talking about. So it just, but it, it kind of hit me over the head. The, like, I mean, the scene where the lion is killed, 
comes about as close to a crucifixion as you can. I think our interests are just so, I mean, our focuses are such, so different as adults. Mm -hmm. I remember reading, I reread A Christmas Carol and it is just so obnoxious. (laughs) Like the imagery and the way Dickens just, he's not a subtle writer. He just hits you over the head with his messages. And it's just like, wow, I, I would have told you before reading this that I loved A Christmas Carol, but it was just such an annoying book to read because there were things that you know, really stand out to you and are very clear as an adult that we're not when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So on that note, you'll report back about that. Yeah. What are you thinking in terms of, I could, so you've shared your stats with me. Um, so I read 105 books this year. Um, tw- only 20% were by men and it seems like 16% were nonfiction like you said, most were memoirs, and the ones that weren't memoirs tended to be nonfiction written by men. Mm-hmm. And then there was probably the other half was sort of literary works um, by men. So I don't know. Do you, you've already said that you want to read a little bit more. I'll probably stay the same or less. Okay. I mean, that's a great number to hit. I mean, I could probably comfortably read three books a week. I could probably, you know, I've hit 150 books, I think, not last year, but the year before my number was something like that. But I don't know. I do other things. So I'm out and about in the world. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, you don't want to, like, be a slave to the numbers to to the point where it takes you away from doing things that you enjoy, other things you enjoy. No. Right, right, yeah. And I I definitely don't read for numbers. It just, like I said, my numbers fluctuate all over the place. I do think that I want to stop relying on, I think that I will visit Goodreads once a month to update what I've read, but I don't want to be visiting daily because I think I want less distraction in my reading. I'm also going to do the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. What is that? So each year they do a reading challenge, and I think the standard number is 40. They give you 40 book prompts, and, like, they give you also bonus prompts. So you could read – 40 is the challenge, but 50 is what it is total if you do the bonus bonus ones. And so some of the books that they have – it would be easy. I mean, a book becoming a movie in, in 2019. I haven't read The Nightingale, so I want to read that. A book that makes you nostalgic. You know, if this were already 2019, you would have it with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, a book written by a musician. This might be your, <laughs> this, up your alley. I was going to say, this is like my 2018 list. That's funny. <laughs> a, a, book th- a book you think you should be turned into a movie, a book with at least one million ratings on Goodreads. And I was like, what is that? And some examples are Harry pa- Potter and Fahrenheit 451, a book about a hobby. I might try to find a football book. Ooh, this sounds really good. A book you me- meant to read in 2018. So I figure I will, you know, maybe read four or five books in this challenge a month, I'm sure it'll be easy to incorporate other books that I'm reading anyway into this. And I think it'll be a fun way to pick some books and just um, help me read some of my backlist too. I might have to check this out. Do you think I'll get resentful though? 
No, I mean, I think that there are enough different categories that you can find a book that you want to read. That oh, will so fit there's something. more than 50 categories. There, there are 50 prompts. Oh, there are 50 prompts. There are 40 that are part of the regular ones, and then they give you, um, there's 10 more as a part of the advanced reading challenge. I mean, can you basically take any book and find it, figure out a way to squeeze it into something? I think so. A book with a two-word title. <laughs> A novel based on a true story, a book revolving around a puzzle or a game. That might be a little bit more challenging. A book set in space. Oh, see that? Okay. Okay. I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I don't want to read a book set in space. I just don't. I know that's. I don't know. A little you could find a good one. I could read The Martian, but but then I'd be annoyed that I'm reading The Martian because I don't want to read The Martian. What about the sparrow? What, I don't even know what that is. They, yeah, they said that, I don't know, it's like a, a popular book that I feel like everyone has read that I haven't by Mary Doria Russell. Is that her name? I don't know. Hold on, I'm looking. I'm, a book with a question in the title. I mean, so don't read the, I mean, substitute something else for space. But see, if I only have 54 books of the year, that means that only gives me 14 substitutes, like cushions, you know? Hold on. But why would you, you? But that would be if you did the advanced challenge. Just do the regular one. It's only forty. I know, but that only. I think you could 14 do fourteen books that. Or hold on, I'm looking at this right now. Where do I find the? Uh, oh, there's a whole Goodreads group. Printable yeah. list. Okay, I'm checking this out. I Sorry think, for the clicks um, here. A book. Look, I'm looking on the computer. a book about a family. Okay, well, a that's book a, with love book in I the read. title. Right. A day okay, novel. I mean. I'm going to tell you a, a whole book bunch by of books by two here female that, authors. But okay, like, but here's one. Here's another one that I can't, I will not read. A book featuring an amateur detective. That's not going to happen. A book featuring an extinct or imaginary creature. It's not going to happen. A book that what you just read the line the rich in the witch in the wardrobe and you said you're going to be reading the oh, series. You're right. you're right. A book set in Scandinavia. <laughs> I think I'm out. A book with a title that contains salty, sweet, bitter, or spicy. Nicole, I'm out. I want to read Bitter Orange by um, Claire Fuller, Salt to Sea. A book about someone with a superpower. I think you can do it. I don't... Every time... I think you should do 30. How about we give you 10 exclusions? Oh, my God. I mean, look, a book with an item of clothing or accessory on the cover. Come Nicole, on. but that rules that, you remember you and I hate books with boots on the cover. Rain boots? <laughs> Shoes? Uh, th- that's true. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out. I mean, wor- worst comes to worst, I say I couldn't do it. Yeah. A book with try. a zodiac sign or be astrology term in the title? It'll give us something to talk oh, about. Oh, boy. Boy, this is hard. A book about someone with a superpower. The power. Do All you right. want to read that? I don't even know. Oh, the... Uh, who wrote that? What's lit? I don't know. What's don't lit RPG mean? Um, that's something like Ready Player One, a real person game or real player game. I don't know. Yeah. I have to ask my cousin. A climate fiction. Oh, I love climate fiction. A book author from Asia, Africa, or South America. Come on, that's like half of what we read. Yeah, that's fine. It's half of no, what that's I read. Fine. A, a book that a book takes that place in a, a single wedding. day. Is, you, you know I have a thing about books that take place in a single day. I hate them. I really hate them. I, well, I've gone on record many times as saying I don't like books that take place in 24 hours. 
Uh, all right. You know what? I'm going to, I find this Something interesting. Something to think about. I find it interesting. And what I'm going to do. I'm sure you'll be so tempted as you just read. And I'm going to try to naturally slot them in for you as you tell me what you're reading. Okay. I bet that you do it naturally. That's very interesting. I'm going to, I, and I, I like that idea that I'm going to, I'm going to casually, I'm going to casually follow this challenge. I'll join the Goodreads yeah. group. I'll casually follow the challenge. I'll cheer you on from the sides and That's right. I'll see what I organically read that might fit. And when possible, if I'm choosing between a couple of books, if there's ones that fits the bill for here, I'll do it. And I'll see how many of these I end up doing. But I can tell you right now that the book in space is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. <laughs> there was a really, there was a literary fiction book about that I think that you would probably like if you would get over it was it has some space I have to think of what the name is it was this book about I don't know these astronauts being selected for this training program something to do with the end of the world I think it was like some kind of dystopian literary fiction novel and I th- and it se- I think you would like it hmm. I'm going to see if I can figure out what that is and you'll you'll you can let me know Okay, so that will be our project. And we didn't have a project this past year. Right, we didn't do our classics. Our projects do very well. We did our classics. Yeah, but we didn't do that this year. That was last year. Right, yeah, we did it in 2017. Well, maybe I have an idea. I have an idea. What about once a quarter, you and I find a a book. No, find a book that that fits this, but but we'll read the same book. Okay. So, like, I mean, I think one of these is a classic. What does it say? Or a retel- retelling of a classic or something. So we can we can once a quarter pick a book to read together for a little book club on the on the podcast, and it will also be one that knocks off something from this list. Okay. Okay. This is very um, interesting. And then, then we should alternate because I think we're going to read the space one if I can figure out what that is. Well, if it's like a dystopian space one, that sounds like sort of interesting. Actually, there's <laughs> also um, – I still have that book, The Astronaut's Wives Club. Do you think that would count for a book set in space? Probably not. I don't know. Okay. I would be willing to let you wiggle a little with that one. If the husbands are actually in space while the women are meeting, then maybe. Okay. <laughs> Somebody has to be in space. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, All right. So goals. This challenge, I'm going to work on this challenge sort of organically. Uh, I'm going to start pulling back from every day looking at Goodreads because I get way too distracted by everyone adding these books. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should read that. That's impressive. So I'm going to give me less people in my head. I'm only going to read, I'm not going to read more than 150 books. I read 105 this year. Um, This was a super distracting year. I feel like next next year I'll have more time because I won't be running to physical therapy three times a week or (laughs) anything else that's super exhausting. Yeah. So I want to work on this. We'll do our challenge thing. I'll update my Goodreads once a month. And and just that one day a month, I'll take a look at what other people are reading. What else did I want to do? I don't know. I feel like I read pretty diversely when I look at my literary fiction titles. But 
I read a lot of mysteries and thrillers. And those are not diverse. Yeah. Well, they may have diverse settings. I mean, settings. it's fine. It's, I'm, I guess. But that's not a big thing with me. I feel like, I mean, I just, I'm just naturally interested in those things. Like, I don't really have any buckets that I want to hit. Like, I'm not trying to accomplish anything with my reading. Mm-hmm. True. I didn't read. I didn't read as much nonfiction this year. I don't think I. I can't take the trauma anymore of a lot of nonfiction. I feel like a lot of nonfiction can be traumatic without any solutions. Well, that's true. And and I have issues with that now. That's definitely true. But a book with pop, sugar, or challenge in the title. <laughs> You're still in I'm this still list. I'm still there. What do I have for that? Like, I've already started. I mean, this was one of the things that I loved when I was blogging more is I loved coming up with books to read for these reading challenges. I never finished them. Yeah. I'm going to finish this one, though. Um, Where so it? for that, I have this book called American Pop. Oh, well, that's, that'll do it. Is there a um, was there a 2018 Pop Sugar Challenge? Mm hmm. And a 2017. All right, I'm looking to see if the... Uh, you know what I'm curious to see? How many of those I read without even knowing it? I think that for our next show, we should... Let's take a look at the 2018 Pop Sugar Challenge, and we will report back and talk about all the books that naturally... Go go through your books, fill it out, and, and we'll talk about how many we actually checked off okay. on that challenge. I can tell you right now a book I did not read on this list. Nor- Nordic Noir. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get you some good Nordic Noir. This is noir. awesome. Okay. I think that's a, I'm really excited about that episode. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Cool. I bet you've read some Nord- Nordic war- Noir. Where was Red Clock set? Um, or Girl Unknown. Portland, Oregon. Wow. Uh, Girl Unknown, I think, was... Oh, where was Girl Unknown? Oh, my God, where was that book set? Uh, England, London. That's kind of Nordic. No, I'm sorry. It was not. It was... Um, I think it was Scotland. <laughs> oh, getting warmer. Yeah. <laughs> or colder, as it were. <laughs> um, okay, I love that. All right, so we have to figure out when we're going to do the, the retrospective 2018 challenge. Maybe we'll do like a check-in on our... 2019. Oh, a book by two authors. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, anonymous girl. The book said at sea. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. No. A book set on a different planet <laughs> did not happen. <laughs> a book about Halloween. See, if you read The Martian, it would it would it would be space and set on another yeah. planet. That's true. <laughs> Could knock out two years in one. That's true. Um, All right, we've completely gone off yeah, the rails have. with our podcast. Okay, so here's I hope what I'm going to say: the Pop Sugar Challenge. Yeah, and if you've done the Pop Sugar Challenge, let us know. I want to know what people think of it and what they've, you know, did they feel constricted? Did they stick it out? Like all of that. Um, okay, so here's something. Maybe else once I a month on about. our show, we'll we'll discuss a handful of topics so that we can get some recommendations on what to read. Yeah. Because some of these are a little difficult. Here's a here's a question for you. So the last two to three years, I have been frustrated by the fact that I feel like at the end of the day, despite 
all of the resources at my disposal, all of the research that I do, all of the... Not reading good books. I'm not reading books I like. Right. So like, I, I feel like this year I had a run of like eight mediocre books in a row. And yet like, why, how can that be? I have a, I have a room filled, shelves filled with books I haven't read. I have access to Goodreads. I read a ton of blogs. I talk to you on a weekly basis about books and I trust your taste implicitly. Why is it? Is it, it am I, because am I not trusting them books. enough? But I don't abandon books. Well, but why am I starting so many media? books? I think that. And why, like, like, am I not, with all these resources, am I not using them enough? Am I relying too much on mood? Am I like, okay, you know, I, I just finished this book and I'll, I think I'll pick this because I do do that a lot. I'll pick a book up and even though I don't read a gazillion great reviews of it or it hasn't been recommended, there's something about it that catches my eye and I decide I'm going to read it like that stupid Bobcat book, which I've talked about. So like, like. But you see, if you're going to do that, if that is going to be your strategy, then you have to be willing to abandon books because I think that you like I will read I'll pick up a book and if it's not a book for me to read at that time either it becomes a DNF for whatever reason and so I have two categories of DNF one is just sort of like I'm reading a bunch of things I'm not really feeling this at this moment but I think that this will be interesting and I'll like it but I just this is just not the time for that so I'll put it aside for however long and then there's books that it's just like I don't like this. You know, I know I won't like this. I'm just not, I know where this is going. You know, I don't feel like the reading experience is going to be good. And I stopped those books. I think, because I tried this as an experiment once, as I read multiple books at a time. Like, I have a book that will be small that I can have in my purse that I carry around. I mean, you read a couple of multiple books because you do audio and you also do print. Right. But... Damn, I forgot where I was going with this. That, not that I, I think you're going with that I don't abandon books fast enough. Yeah, I I would play around with that. I was going to say that, the, okay, I re- read multiple books. I was going to say the year that I, I did an experiment where I was not going to read a book unless I had finished a book, and I read, so I read not very many books because I would just... Either I read something I hated or wasn't really enjoying, but because I had promised myself that I was going to finish every book that I'd read and I was only going to read one book at a time, if I didn't like a book, I was in a hangover after that period. Mm -hmm. I read less. Mm -hmm. I think it just works better if you're juggling stuff, if you're reading something that you want to be reading at the time. And yeah, I mean, I just feel like just why? <laughs> why read something if you, I mean, if you really don't want to read it? Like I read book club books or whatever. Some of them are not, you know, they're not my favorite thing, but it's just like, eh, it's fine. You know, we'll, I'll go and I'll discuss it. But if you know something, I just feel like you have limited time. You do have lots of resources. You have like 400 other books that you could go to why be right you know just why cling to something but that you why don't do read? i even pick up those books in the first place that i don't want to read because there's because lots of things sound interesting but, 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 okay but things... no i think you hit it right there they sound interesting why exactly. but why do i why should i just put all the books that quote unquote sound interesting off and only go on recommendations only go on things that like 
somebody I know and trust has recommended. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, because we read around each other. We read around each other's taste. There'll be books that we both like, but I love it and you just like it. That's true. And There'll be books that we both read that you're just like, you know, it was okay and it was fine that I read it. And I was just like, oh my God, that was great. And I think that you need to just trust your mood more. Like, yeah, so what? However many people said this is great or it was reviewed well, this just isn't jiving with me at, at this moment. Yeah. And... You know what I, my other recommendation for you would be to arrange your books by genre. Okay. So that like, if I'm Um, like, I'm in the mood for a light book, then they're all together. Well, I think it makes you, when I need to weed books out and I, um, and I organize them by genre, if that means that, that means that I'll have, okay, say 30 mystery thrillers in front of me. And when you have them all in the same place in front of you at the same time, it's not like this, oh, I kind of think this is interesting. It is like, okay, these are 30 mysteries that I am not going to read all of these. These 10 sound more interesting than these other 20 books. And that makes it, I think you make better selections that way. I think that's good advice. I also need you to come down and just like go through and just And we should plan my weekend down. yeah. All right. So anything else? Oh, so what else was I going to say? I think, I don't know. I got in my advice giving mode and I was going to say one more thing about what my reading year was going to look like, but I'm sure we will be revisiting this topic many more times in January as we refine. So, but so quickly, quick recap of our goals, minus to lure Gail into the 2019 pop sugar challenge parts of it <laughs> we're gonna, or, some of it we're gonna switch off picking um a book and a topic for the quarter yeah to read together so yeah we're gonna read more uh, men well i'm gonna read more she men. knows she knows a space book is coming for her yeah. we're gonna investigate why we don't read that many men maybe i'll read more um yeah Gail's going to read a few more books. I'm going to try to hold steady with where I am so that I can have a social life. Yes. And, um, and, I think, and I think we're good. That sounds good. So until next time. Happy reading. And happy new year. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. And Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.